The Giants not only lost to the Bears, but they also lost their franchise running back for the season. We look back at the 17-13 loss in Chicago, Saquon's brutal injury, and concerns over the 0-2 start to the season. We also chat with three-time Pro Bowl Giants running back, radio host, and businessman, the great Tiki Barber. All that and more next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review if you do use Apple. We appreciate your support. Joining the show this week is a former Pro Bowl Giants running back. He's currently the co-host of Tiki and Tierney. It's my first favorite football player, Tiki Barber. But first, here they are, your host of the Blue Rush Podcast. It's longtime Giants beat writer for the Post, Paul Schwartz, and two-time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker, Lawrence Tynes. Tynesy, Paulie, take it away, fellas. Paul, as if the 0-2 start wasn't bad enough, there's a potential season-ending knee injury to Saquon, and Sterling Shepard leaves early. I'm not as optimistic as I was last week after today. Lawrence, there are losses, there are losses, there are losses. There are 0-2 starts, um, a lot of them four in a row for the Giants, seven of the last eight years, 0-2. But, you know, there are losses, and then there are are, are devastations. And this is, this is going to be some tall order for Joe Judge here. His team is undermanned. They go to Chicago. They have... The worst first half you can imagine, right? Down 17 nothing. It's pretty bad. Miss a field goal. And then in the first play of the f- second quarter, Saquon Barkley goes down with a right knee. And, and you could tell, right? You're an athlete. You, you've, we've seen these a million times, unfortunately. You can tell. Uh, Joe Judge, I've never seen this before. Joe Judge, the head coach, goes out and helps him off the field with a trainer. And you could see it. And, and it was, wasn't it gut-wrenching to see Saquon being carted off and he punches the cart, and he kind of looked up. Did you see that? He put his arms up, and he said, like, his palms were up, and he was, like, mouthing the word, like, why? Yeah. yeah we know how it. hard he works, right, Lawrence? Why? I mean, yeah. put me in in that locker room either at halftime. Can the team regroup? You know, they came back and played well in the second half, but what is it like in that locker room at halftime and after that game, Lawrence? I mean, there are there are injuries and then there are injuries. I mean, this is something. Yeah, you know, if you'll remember, we, we talked about this a couple of shows ago where you asked me if there were players, you know, certain players on your roster, and it was always next man up, next man up. Yep, but it, yep, yep. if you remember, I said, you know, there's a couple of players on every roster that will send shockwaves through your team and organization if that player goes down. And and Saquon Barkley is one of those players. You know, it's so unfortunate. He is one of the best players on that roster, certainly one of the best players in the game, and you hate to see it. But this is an injury that they're going to have to regroup from and, and rally around and somehow figure out a way to get over it and move on because obviously the NFL season does not stop because Saquon Barkley is hurt. But, you know, you mentioned Coach Judge helping him across the field. Mm-hmm. That's one of the coolest things I've seen in this game and and I've watched a lot of pro football I've never seen a head coach carry a player 
across a field. And he did that. And that's just kind of who Joe Judge is. And we've seen that. Those players probably recognize that as well. You know, he know they know he, he cares about them. But seeing that for me was pretty neat. And I think the guys will rally. Their backs are against the wall. They're 0-2. It's not a good start. But, you know, you just hope that, that Saquon can recover and, and come back. And But I, I think the guys will rally. You know, it'll give uh, Jason Garrett a full week to kind of plan without him and maybe get Deion Lewis some more carries and Wayne Gallman involved. And, you know, so we'll see what happens. Well, uh, Joe Judge uh, kind of not made light of that, but he didn't want to sound like, yeah, wasn't that a great thing I did carrying, you know, he said, well, he's a he's a heavy guy, and I wanted to make sure, you know, he got off the field. You don't want to have him put excess, uh, you know, extra weight on that knee. He said afterwards, what do you do now, Joe? He said, we go back to work. That's where we go. Our vision has to be forward. You know, it's never about what happens to you. It's how you respond. Look, this is a, a first-year head coach. They're 0-2. Uh, we'll talk about the nice, the terrible start and the nice comeback. But I, I don't, you know, you said we'll re- they'll regroup. Uh, you know, they'll get back together. I'm not sure. Look, the psyche maybe eventually can be healed, but this whole offense is built around Saquon Barkley. Deion right. Lewis is a guy who is a complimentary back. He does not carry the ball a lot. Uh, they have Wayne Goldman, who was not active today. Uh, they have Rod Smith on the practice squad. You know, uh, Devonta Freeman is out there if they want to go sign a guy. But this is not, you know, there's nobody coming through the door here who's anything close to Saquon Barkley. What can this offense look like now? You know, and you add Sterling Shepard in the mix there too. We don't know the significance of his injury either, but. He's not going to play for a couple of weeks, I bet. You know, yeah, there's toes. Toes are bad, right? Toes are bad. Feet are bad for, yep. for runners and receivers. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, Jason Garrett and that offensive staff have their hands full for this week of preparation against the Niners. And obviously they have some injuries as well. But um, when you lose, you know, pretty much one of your 1A, 1B receivers and and Shepard, and then you're running back, I mean, you're almost going to have to completely revamp this offense in some way, shape, or form. I think you got to get a ball carrier that can carry the load. You know, you mentioned Lewis is not a guy who's going to have 20, 25 carries. You know, there's some free agents out there. I think Freeman's probably the best guy of the bunch. You're going to have to sign somebody and try and work around the free agency market and see what's out there. Well, we'll have Tiki later later on on this right maybe you know he's not an old man so uh you know he was he had 1600 yards his last year maybe they can get him back uh you know this game Lawrence was was that first half was abominable you know and I know Saquon went out was terrible They, they were playing really badly with Saquon in the game Joe Judge said afterwards, we did not come out here with the right kind of energy to start a game. Now, that's that's rough. That's on a coach. Uh, they're down 7 nothing quick. You got a Daniel Jones fumble. He held the ball too long. Andrew Thomas gets beat by Robert Quinn. We've seen that before. They hold him to a field goal, 10 nothing. Daniel Jones, another interception. It looks like Evan Ingram kind of slips a little bit. It doesn't lead to any points. Then you have, uh, you know, Trubisky beats Corey Ballantyne, all the time in the world, no real pass rush. You know, uh, Mooney, the rookie, gets a touchdown, 17 nothing. Gano misses, what, a long field goal. I think, what was it, 57? 57. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to put that on him. Uh, is, is there an excuse to be down? Look, the Bears are not a great team. This is not the Steelers from week one. The Bears have some feistiness to him, some good defensive players. I don't think Trubisky did much of anything except run around a little bit. Uh, 17 nothing, not acceptable. Not at all. They came out flat, you could tell. And Joe Judge is right. They didn't come out with the right energy. I mean, you just kind of get into the numbers, right? Three of 13 on third down is not good enough. The defense put out a winning performance. 17 points and under, that's kind of your goal every week. They had an opportunity defensively. But again, we're back here talking about the offense and the fumble. The pick you mentioned, Evan Ingram did slip on that route. That 
field is notoriously bad. But again, you're a professional athlete. You have to understand what kind of cleats you need, what kind of steps you need to take in and out of routes. It's just part of being a pro. So I don't give anyone any excuses there, and neither are the coaching staff. But four sacks on defense, I thought was a was a was a bright spot. I thought Bradbury was fantastic. And, you know, Lorenzo Carter and those guys all got involved defensively. But it's too little too late, right? They played well in the second half. We were one offensive lineman's reception for one yard away from stopping them on fourth down, which was just bad luck. But, you know, they battled. And, and you know, listen, battling is not going to be good enough for this fan base or this city moving forward. Yeah, we know they're playing hard. The barometer was set very low. Uh, this team is playing harder. But listen, it's all about winning in this in this league. Yeah, it, w- it was, um, you know, Daniel Jones has, what, four turnovers in his first six quarters. Now, they did shut them out in the second half. Uh, defense, as you mentioned, Bradbury with a great interception, a deflection on another one to have Julian Love pick off a ball. This was the f- first time since, tell me what you know about this game. November 21st, 2004 was the last time the Giants lost a game when they shut out the opponent in the second half. That was Eli Manning's first NFL start. Okay, wow. so that's a long time ago. So the shutout was great. We said the Bears were not a great team. The last drive, did you? I never had the sense they are going to put this together, but they are in position. They're out of timeouts, 202 to go. So they have the advantage of the two minute warning. They have good field position on the 40. Did you have a sense then Daniel Jones is going to take him down this field? They're going to salvage something from this miserable day. You know, I, I really didn't. There was just too that's, much inconsistency. That's, that's a bad sign. There was just too much inconsistency, and I think the offense in, as a whole is is inconsistent. I mean, we had more first downs than the Bears and lost the football game. And there was a big drop by Slayton there on third down that would have kept a drive going. Um, they just could not keep drives together. And with two minutes to go, I, I just haven't seen Daniel Jones do it enough, and I just haven't seen this offense produce yardage consistently enough to give us hope to think, hey, he was going to go down there and win the football game. So I thought he made some nice plays in, in that fourth quarter in that two-minute drive, but again, there wasn't enough plays. Did you guys think, question for you, Daniel Jones looked like he had a lot of room on that right side where if he ran loose on that final play, I think there was a shot if he took a leaping attempt that he could have scored. Do you guys agree or no? Uh, I haven't looked at it closely enough, but I did mention that to my son when I was watching the game. You know, the Tampa game kind of came to mind when he the, the Red Sea kind of parted and he ran up the middle. I thought there was a chance there. Then I also thought it was, you know, offensive pass interference. Then I thought there was an opportunity to get a defensive pass interference because he did get hit before the ball was delivered. But... Again, and it's Joe, yeah. Joe Judge was very upset by that too. He was given it to you. Know, it could have been offsetting penalties or or something like that. But again, it's 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 too little, too late, and, and they can't keep. You know, can they win a game comfortably? Can we win the game with the football in our hands and taking a knee? That's the best offensive play in the game. So we'll see. You know, they've got a chance this coming up week to 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 fix it. But I don't know. I'm not as optimistic, obviously, as I was last week. Well, I didn't like the last two plays, Lawrence. I think you have to throw the ball in the end zone. You know, the second down play was the dump off to to Lewis. Yeah, I didn't understand that play. I mean, all. what does that do for you? Yeah, it nothing. It gets you three yards closer. It gets you from the 14 to the 10. That doesn't 10. do anything, you know. And then yeah. – the last play, you know, Golden Tate did push off. Maybe he's foot, but if he catches, he's not in the end zone. He's not in the end zone. There's no time left. So, you know, this is, you know, I got some flack. I wrote some stuff about Daniel Jones and Sunday's New York Post and, and really nothing uh, really very critical, but just pointing out that the guy has lost a ton of games. 
after the first two wins, they lose and lose and lose. It's not all Daniel Jones's fault, but you don't want that to get in a guy's head that he's doing just enough to lose. And this was a game, it was not all on him. He had a bad start. He played better in the second half, but it's just, you know, by the second year. We're just looking for more, right? We're just, we just want to see it. Yeah, just it. In, in, in the second, Eli Manning's second year, he got the team in the end zone and they won some games. And like I said, the Bears are just not, you know, the Bears are 2-0 and and you look at them and say, okay, they 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 were one pass drop by the Lions of being 0-1 and a couple of plays by the Giants of being 0-2. So I'm not writing any sonnets for the Bears here. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's a road game. There's no fans. It's um, you can build with the defense. That's good. The pass rush is still an issue, but this offense and 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 this is too much really for Joe Judge to have to take into his third NFL game to have to reconfigure an offense with Jason Garrett, get this team back thinking the right way because you have the 49ers, you have the Rams, you have the Cowboys. It's this. They've got a tough road ahead, and you know, one guy who I who kind of stuck out to me today was a CJ board. I think he needs more targets. I think if we can get him the ball some more and he develops, obviously he's a young player. I, he stood out to me. I know he only had three catches for 32 yards, but this team needs a spark. They need a big play guy. I, I think Slayton can be that guy. Ingram did play well. I mean, he had some in the second, half, not in the first, in the second half, right? Yeah. They're showing up too late, but you know, I, I, they played a lot of dime. They had a lot of stand-up, floating defensive uh, formations. Ebner was in the game quite a bit. I didn't understand that. Obviously, they they think he's worthy of being in that dime package. But I don't know. Maybe that was just a scheme thing. It obviously worked. Um, they did kind of – but, you know, Mitchell Trubisky killed us with his legs a, a lot today. Yeah. And uh, that's what you're going to get, though, when you – Roll out there with eight DBs. Well, it's the amoeba. They play that little bit of the amoeba. They yeah. nobody down. Saw the, saw the Bears run a bunch of motion to get the 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 players moving, and then it just opened up. and And Mitchell Trubisky can run. You know, we talked about it last week. Everyone knows Mitchell Trubisky can run. And uh, um, Nate Ebner had, I think, one snap on defense the last two years in New England. So he is a listed. There's an S in front of his name, not Superman safety, but he is a special teamer, as we know. Uh, so that was interesting. We'll see uh, moving forward if maybe they don't use him as much anymore uh it worked at times but yeah he took a bad angle on one play they they got some issues uh like we said defense shows signs but man no Saquon Barkley I mean this is this is serious yeah serious yeah yeah uh you want to talk a little bit about the NFC East because the whole NFC East How is about a them, whole is them Cowboys I mean what yeah. the hell well, happened Mark, guys this is my question to you watching there's still a chance uh, this is my question to you. Do coaches teach and instruct the rules for the onside kick? Because, And do you think that the Falcons knew the rule that they could touch the ball before 10 yards? Well, if they don't, shame on them. If what does that look like? If, if they How don't, do you let yeah, that ball I mean, just keep rolling? It didn't even make any sense. It was a great kick, the spinner. Everyone's got the spinner in their bag. It works really well on turf, but they executed it and got the ball back. But I'll tell you this much. If you don't know that rule, that's poor coaching. I think you should know that rule in high school, but it didn't look like they knew the rule. You know what that so. looked like? That looked like when I was coaching Little League with my son, we had a kid, we put him in the outfield, and he didn't want anything to do with the ball, okay? And so he would run. There was a pop-up, and it was like, oh, boy, here we go. So he would run and run and run, and when the ball, he would not cross the foul line. That was like a like a force field that he would not cross. So he would stand right in fair territory, and the ball dropped about a foot on the other side in foul territory. And he put his hands up in, in jubilation and triumph, and he went, foul! Like, 
it doesn't That's poor coaching out. on your part, Paul. And I, and I said, poor you, coaching. you can go across and catch the ball. That's what the Falcons look like. They look like they're did waiting. You coach, did you coach this young man and tell him that? Well, I, I coached him yeah. up, Lawrence. Yeah, I coached him up, yeah. Uh, you know really what? Probably better because if he went under the ball, it might have hit him in the head. So he, he might have been smarter than I, you know, just to say, let the ball hit the ground. He knew his limitations as a player. What is wrong with the Falcons? I mean, 28-3, now this. The coaching's bad. I mean, time management. This is a Falcons is this franchise. First thing coach. I thought about was right? the 28-3. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they just cannot get out of their own way. I don't know. Listen, if there's any silver lining in all of this is – the NFC East is 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 not as good as maybe we thought it was to start the year. Um, so we'll see. The Giants have their own issues, just like the rest of the division. But I think it's – I don't know. I, I thought the Cowboys would be one of the best teams in, in the league, and they look like the old Cowboys. Well, they, they got a gift. They got a gift in there. They got a gift. And they won a game. But, you know, the Eagles being 0-2. Now, I know, oh. Lawrence, you are not Mr. Carson Wentz fan. No. I, I, I get that. Some people love him. It's interesting, right? 2016, Goff number one, Wentz number two. They play. I think before this, a lot of people would have said, I want Carson Wentz, not Jared Goff. This game, Goff outplays Wentz, no question about it. Yeah, but I think I think uh, Goff has better players around him. I mean, he's got Cup, he's got Woods, he's got, you know, he's got the McVay play calling. I mean, he who can read our mind. He probably knows what we're talking about right now. So I think he's just got a better offensive, better, more weapons, if you will. Uh, than Wentz does. But Wentz turnovers, though. He Two more interceptions today. He said today, turnovers are killing us. And, you know, I know a lot of those Philly riders. You know, people, you know, Lawrence, you were in New York for a while. You got the chance to see us, the New York riders. We are pussycats compared to, compared to the Philadelphia Eagles riders. They are, they are the kings there. There's no other team. There's no Jets. It's all Eagles. And, man, I, I read some stuff from them, and they're starting to question Carson Wentz a little bit about being a – Franchise quarterback, they're starting to think about that a little. I mean, how would you like to be the court franchise quarterback of a team that has a statue of your backup quarterback out front who won the Super Bowl? He has to look at that every time he goes in the stadium. You mean Rocky Balboa? Is that is that the no? Oh no, that, that's the only statue I know in Philly. Which other one? The rent the rent a quarterback. I can't even uh Foles. Oh, Foles, yes. I mean, that's tough. He 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 <laughs> Foles won that Super Bowl for them. Yeah. And I don't know. It's I hate to say redheaded stepchild, but Lawrence, we have to. We I have to. We cannot end the podcast in week two without having you wax poetic about Harrison Butker. Okay, because I don't know if you can hit two fifty. I mean, a guy hitting two fifty-eight yard field goals in one game, and how hard is it to kick a fifty-three yarder? False start. Line up. Hit a fifty-eight yarder. Timeout. Line up again. And hit another, so you hit a 58 yarder. So you've had a 53, a 58, mm-hmm. and a 58 in what, a minute and a half, 90 seconds? Not easy. Well, he kind of got into a groove there with all the practice reps, but you know, he had a 58 yarder in the fourth quarter. He had a 30 yarder to tie it. And then, then he hit a 53 false start. Then he hits a 58 timeout and then a 58 again. I had a similar situation against those very same Chargers in 2006. I hit a 48 yarder false start, and then made a 53-yarder here at Arrowhead to beat the Chargers. But I was thinking to myself, I didn't have the horsepower to go back to 58, probably. (laughs) He is a big-time kicker. I mean, that kid. Is he the best in the league? uh, You know, I hate to, you know, Justin Tucker has just done too much in this game. But I would say those two kids are 1A and 1B. I mean, they do it all. Kickoffs, field goals, they're almost automatic. But 
you know, that was uh, that was pretty impressive to watch. And you could just tell he wanted he wanted to go back further. Probably. I mean, he probably hit from 65. I think he's going to break. I think he's the one guy in the league right now that's going to break the record first and, and those those red uniforms did you kick your 53 yarder in those in that great i was ring? in the red baby oh, at home you don't like them oh they're the best are you kidding oh, okay oh yeah yeah oh man those are those are yeah it was kind of fun seeing philip rivers you know get mad at the end of the game but yeah that was what that was a fun memory but harrison bucker and tucker are my two guys if i had to pick one i'd i'd probably take tucker just because he's been doing it a little bit longer all right guys coming up next it's giants former pro bowl running back tiki barber Our next guest was a three-time Pro Bowl running back for the Giants, spending his entire 10-year career with Big Blue. From 97 to 2006, he quickly became a media star with that shiny freaking bald head and shining (laughs) smile. He's the co-host of Tiki and Tierney with my guy Brandon Tierney, 3 to 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Radio and CBS Sports Network, another fellow baldy. And he's never afraid to speak his mind. He's the co-founder of Thuzio. And many don't know this, but he's got the voice of a cross between Fergie and Jesus. As uh, <laughs> the last time I saw him, he sang chestnuts roasting on an open fire as he sings that to his kids to sleep. It is the soothing ASMR sounds of Tiki Barber <laughs> joining us now. Tiki, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. Welcome to Blue Rush. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you all doing? <laughs> Lawrence, it's good to like meet you digitally. I've never met kind of in person. Paul, I've known, I mean, too long. I don't even want to say the number because it means it makes us both really old. And Jake, obviously, always a pleasure to run into you, my friend. Great to have you. I know, Paul, how long have you known Tiki? How long has it been? <laughs> well, let's see. Tiki, your number was 21, right? That's right. Back in the day. You know? And so I think, is that the amount of years? It was, well, it was you were a rookie. Ike Hilliard was the number one pick. You were the number two That's pick, right. 1997. So you're losing your memory. It was like 23, (laughs) 23 years. Yes. Yes. I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Um, uh, The other day, Tiki, I called you up when you had some comments about Saquon Barkley. And then I said, I'm sitting down and I'm transcribing Tiki Barber. I've done this for 23 years. Uh, Always interesting. Tiki, you said some things last week about Saquon. I don't think we need to rehash them now after what happened in Chicago. Were you watching the game a running back and you know rb and acl are not good things what did you see on that play um i'm sure you're pretty uh devastated for take uh, for saquon yeah no i am i am really devastated for saquon i'm de- devastated for giant fandom i'm devastated for the organization you know and he was drafted three years ago it was like finally we have this impact player because i remember watching him at penn state a guy who could just go the distance, whether as a receiver or as a runner, between the tackles, the edges. He was just dynamic. He was exciting. Um, and the first thing he said to me when I met him, because uh, we had dinner the you know, first couple weeks he was in town, was, I'm going to break all your records. And instead of being like offended by that, I was kind of like, all right, cool. Go ahead, kid. Do your thing. But what really struck me was how inquisitive he is and how he was asking me questions and wanting to learn, not a typical first-round pick. Uh, to a major market like New York who knows it all. Uh, he wanted to learn, and you guys know he has a humility that's just it's, it's, it's amazing given his star power. And so to see him go down the way that he went down, is it's, it's devastating, and it, and it hurts because uh, we know how good he was going to be. Now, there is a horrible track record 
pulse. You're right. Uh, with running backs with ACLs, especially those who run as aggressively and violently as Saquon does. But there also are some success stories. When we chatted earlier, Frank Gore, I mean, he did both of his, I believe, and he's 16 years in. I played in the Pro Bowl with Frank Gore. He's still going. So uh, the, uh, medicine hopefully makes this not as big of an issue as it's going to be made in the immediate future of, of talking about this. But my thoughts and prayers are out to Saquon, and hopefully he comes back and he's just as good as he was before. Hey, Tiki, this is Lawrence. Hey, thanks for coming on. And obviously it's nice to meet you virtually. I cannot believe we've never met in person, but <laughs> sure, I'm sure we will one day. By NFL standards, you're a, you're Iron Man. I mean, you you missed, I think it is six games out of a possible 170 games that you played in. That's an unbelievable number for a running back. Is training good fortune? What do you attribute that to? Yeah, it's a good question. So most of those six games came in my rookie year as well. I tore my PCL against the New Orleans Saints on that old AstroTurf at Giant Stadium. It was you know, not as bad as the vet in Philly, but it was pretty bad. And I knew right away that something was wrong, but I kind of wanted to play. They told me, it's not your ACL, it's your PCL, so you're going to have some laxity, but you should be all right. I was like, all right, let's go back out and play. And so they made me sit out a couple of weeks. But I think it's two things, Lawrence. One, I wasn't tasked with being in every down back early in my career. I mean, I, I came into the league and people thought I'd be a really good punt returner, maybe a third down back, Dave Mega type uh, player. Um, and, and, and so that's what my, I don't know, my ceiling in people's minds, that's what we like to use these terms. And what's Tiki Barber's ceiling? It was, it was Dave Meggett. Um, and so I wasn't asked to carry the ball 340 times or, uh, you know, have 60 receptions. And so I didn't have a ton of wear and tear on my body. And as a result, once I started to mature and figure it out uh, physically and know how to take care of my body, um, and Sean Payton came in and took over our play calling, he put in you know, a scheme that suited my skill set, I was ready for it. And so my body was able to withstand the, the, the rigors of an entire season. So in some regards, it was luck and timing. But you're right, Lawrence, it's also luck and just I never had, I never took bad shots. And I think part of that was because I was a slasher. You know, I mean, I would cut across your face and then just try to outrun you. I wasn't someone who was trying to juke you because I, 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 just, I wasn't ever quick enough to really do that. I wasn't big enough to run through you. So I just kind of like slashed. Um, so I think my style helped. But I think the biggest thing was luck, to be honest with you. Football is violent. You know this. You played it you know, for a long time. It's, it's brutal. Your body is just it, it beat the crap you know, week over week. And only the, the lucky ones are able to get out of it through a whole season. Lawrence was lucky enough to get not get hit as many times as a guy like you were hit, Tiki. Uh, I chose the right position. Yeah, he, he, he was having snacks in the kicker's corner over there. Uh, but uh, what, what, what's the difference, Tiki? There's a lot of injuries we saw today and so far in the season that's oh, very brutal. alarming. Do you, do you think that's more of because of the, you know, the COVID delay and not having preseason games and guys not coming in as fresh? Well, Jake, I don't know if it's that. I think it's more – so when you're not – playing football so you're not you know lining up and running routes and you know doing it half speed and then three-quarter speed and then full speed and you're like you're not building yourself up all through the off season so starting in really in March you start working out and you have these OTAs after the draft and you have your vets come in and then you get the training camp so it's, it's a gradual process that's intentional you know what I mean? It's not just, hey, we're going to have a, you know, a mini camp on, um, you know, April 38th or 28th. Like it's, just, it's not random. And so I think what happens 
is it, this year is that guys got to training camp, but they were training differently. You know what I mean? So when you're by yourself, you're socially isolated. You can't go to gyms. You sit, you can't hang out with you know your teammates at the facility. What I, I need to be in shape. What do I do? You just lift, right? I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be durable. But that tightens joints and tightens ligaments, especially if you're not complementing it with the right kinds of, you know, stretching or yoga or whatever it may be. And so you get to training camp and your body is just not well adjusted for what's about to happen. And so we get to, we get through training camp, we get into these first really intense games without any, any preseason ligaments start to go and soft tissue issues start to happen. I mean, there was at least 15 injuries four or five of them are, are very serious injuries i think it's part of the off season but mostly guys when they're by themselves they're, they're not training the same way when they're in a structured program you remember this lawrence it was a pain in the ass to go to, to be a part of these programs right but it was Absolutely. the program was is intentional right there's a reason that you hire a strength and conditioning coach it's not just go get your buddy who who goes to gold's gym right it's, it's specific for the training that we do um and we missed out on a lot of that for these guys in the offseason. Tiki, I'm going to run three numbers by you, okay? I think after the first one or two, you're going to realize what the deal is. 15-18, okay? These are your three, uh, uh, your last three years rushing totals. Those are not numbers of someone who was then going to retire. I mean, these are numbers of Hall of Fame numbers. So when you look back at that, I remember we spoke once and you said you felt a little bit you were slightly making that turn, you know, where maybe you weren't quite athletically as good as you were as a rookie. But those numbers indicate a guy still ascending. So when you look back, do you say, maybe I should have stayed a year or two? Uh, and and do the Giants win the Super Bowl in 2007 if you stay around? You know, I, honestly, to answer your last question first, first Paul, I, I don't think they do. I think the Giants won the Super Bowl because they got balance, and more importantly, Eli became the guy, right? It was about him as opposed to being about our run game. Now, interestingly, the run game was almost identical as far as production. You know, the 2,000, whatever it was, 200 and something yards that we had in 2006 were the exact, is almost the exact number that we had in 2007. Uh, the year that the Giants went and won a Super Bowl. It was just more balanced. The defense was healthier. But, uh, but to answer the first part of the question, I don't, Paul. I, I, I honestly didn't want to do it anymore. I, I, I worked out in the offseason. You, you came and saw me work out with Joe Carini. I mean, it was, it was brutal working out with a strength and conditioning coach who was having me deadlift 550 pounds and, and put my body through you know, a, a regimen that got me ready to take the pounding of 16 weeks. It ties into what you were asking me about, Lawrence. Like, how did I get through 16 weeks for all these years? Because I, I, I the sacrifices that I made in the off season, and I didn't want to do it anymore. Right? I just, I got, I had gotten tired of it. And you got to remember, the game was different. I've, I've been retired for 14 years. Back then, if you had your guy, he didn't leave the field. Right? If I needed a blow or Brandon Jacobs was going to come in and score my touchdown. That was about it. I, it, was, it was, it was, you know, 25 carries. You're going to chunk it to you, you know, six or seven times a game. And, you know, for a while there, I was returning punts as well. You just, you just did it all. You kept your best player on the field as often as, as, as you could. And, um, you know, I, I had started to slow down, you know, to that, to answer to, to your point, Paul, there were, there were points in 2004 and five where, I mean, 50, 60 yards, forget it. If I was in the open field, I was, I was hitting my head on the goalpost. 
um, by that last year, I could feel like the 50 yard runs were coming, becoming 35 yard runs and I'm getting knocked out of bounds or, you know, I'm, I'm getting caught from behind or I'm not making that cut or breaking that tackle that I was. And I remember the Philadelphia game, which was our second game of the season in 06. We was down in Philly and uh, Jim Finn, our fullback, came up to me before the game. He's like, how you feel, man? It's awesome. He's like, you know, I'm just not feeling it, man. I was like, I think I might be done. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, dude, I'm going to have a great year. Trust me. But I feel like I'm done. Uh, and I, so I knew it before the season started. And we all know how it came out. John Branch of the New York Times wrote that article. Um, and I kind of had to acknowledge that I was thinking about doing something else. And as an aside, I didn't think the Giants were close to winning a Super Bowl. Now, my timing was, was, was suspect. Terrible uh, timing, Tiki. Because, Terrible. because we know because we know what happened. All they um, needed to do I, was trade for a kicker, seventh-round pick. That's <laughs> there you go. That's there you happens. go. But, you know, in Jerry Reese's defense, I know he gets on a lot. Uh, that draft class, your draft class, was as good a draft awesome. class as the Giants have had in a long time. And everyone was a contributor, even the seventh-round pick. <laughs> you know, he made some nice ads, too, with Dominic Hickson and Booth. I mean, there was some right. in there that – you know, kind of, they're not star players, but guys that really helped us. Hey, I've got a fun question for you. 2014, you ran the New York Marathon. I did. What's, time. what's tougher, a New York Marathon or an NFL football game? Oh, man. I'm going to say the marathon because the NFL game, you can chill a couple of plays or you can tap your helmet out or you can have someone lift you up, like, <laughs> I don't know, whoever it may be, Chris Nee or. Or David Beal, dude, I need a lift, bro. You guys, you guys got to carry me through this next, you know, ten minutes or whatever it may be. Um, and it's there. You're in a marathon, and it's collectively everybody cheering for one another. But <laughs> those twenty-six point two miles are coming with your own muscle, your own brain, uh, your own endurance failing you uh, as you go up Fifth Avenue. Which I've always felt like if you go down Fifth Avenue, everybody says, "Hey, you go down Fifth Avenue." Fifth Avenue is a hill, man, <laughs> and it's uphill coming from the Bronx. Uh, and it's brutal climbing up to, to get into the park and ultimately wrap around to uh, Central Park South and finish. So that first one was hell on me. I mean, I, and I swore that I would never do another marathon. I finished in five hours and 14 minutes. I ended up waiting for my wife, Tracy, and we crossed the finish line together. Um, but I said, I'm never doing this again. 13 marathons later, I'm training for the New York wow. City virtual marathon that I'll do in you know about probably about a month and a half. So I've, I've, I've gotten addicted. I think it's the athletic brain in me not wanting to, you know, go docile or, or dormant. Hey, Tiki, you know what? I think virtual marathons are about my speed, you know, v- v- right. very virtual. Just say you I'll, did it, right, Paul? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the uh, laptop for 26 miles, okay? Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, Tiki, we, we started uh, talking about Saquon, and I just want to, you know, get back to one more thing. You know, he kind of kidded to you, but he had a, you know, he's got a swagger to him also and a great confidence when he yeah. said, I'm going to break your records. What is it, 10,000 yep. yards? Yep. Can, can he do it? Can he come back from this and, and, and get, you know, become an elite running back again and break your record and, and be a great player for the Giants? I mean, this is a real tough situation, crossroads for a young athlete like this. Yeah, he is. And, and I'll give you the example of why I think he can. So you guys have seen Saquon, um, and I'm sure you've seen him, you know, like, less than fully dressed in a suit. The dude is physically a specimen. And there's, there's really only one other running back that I can remember that looked like that. Oh, my teammate from UVA did as well, Thomas Jones, who was you know, with the Jets for a few years. Um, but the only other running back that I've seen that looks like that, um, and he, he wasn't even as big, muscular, you know, thick-wise, was Adrian Peterson. 
uh, I played in the Pro Bowl with Adrian Peterson. The first time I saw him, I was like, "Dude, you're you're fake. Like your body is fake. Like they don't make muscles that look like that and, and have that kind of definition and and thickness and like your bone structure. Like you're fake." Um, and we all know that Adrian Peterson had a, had a bad ACL tear at the near the end of the season. The next year, he comes back and rushes for two thousand yards. So it's doable. But it takes discipline and it takes the right body type. I think that Saquon has the right body type to respond um, to the treatment that he's going to have to go through. And it's agonizing. I, mean, I never had an ACL, but I've had friends that tore ACLs. And it's just, it's, it's, it's brutal, man. It kills you. Um, but if he does it uh, and he stays dedicated, uh, which I know he will because he has this desire to be great, that he can re- rebound from this. Um, and, then, and you know, and it sucks for him because I knew after last year uh, and his ankle injury, which he you know battled through, didn't get really healthy until you know the end of the season. He wanted this year to be that explosive breakout year, and the Giants kind of need him to be that. Um, as a new new coaching staff, a young quarterback, uh, you need a veteran. Um, even though he's only four years in or three years in, you need a veteran. Um, superstar to be your catalyst and he wanted to be that now it's on hold for a year at least yeah and it's 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 an interesting situation the Giants will be in Tiki because he's got one year left on his contract he might not be ready for week one next year they got to think about the future with him because they're gonna have to pay him after next season and you know coming off a torn ACL that puts them kind of in a in an interesting situation going mid to late next season yeah, yeah, it's Dalvin Cook. It's the same situation that the Vikings are in. It's the same, and this is why we haven't seen a deal done yet. Oh, we just saw it took a while to get the deal done uh, before the season started. Uh, there was a threat of a holdout and all those other things. When a guy tears his ACL, especially in his, are we picking up the fifth year option year? It's not like the franchise tag. It's not any, like not anything like that. But it is the decision year. Are we picking up his fifth year option? I do believe the Giants will do it because obviously, just like the franchise tag, you can pull it back. Um, and there is a there is a there is a um, a belief that Saquon could be that franchise player, uh, non quarterback franchise player, I should say. And and so, if I was going to put my money on something, it would be that they are going to extend him that fifth year option. Um, you know, hopefully he's healthy for the start of next season. That the team has grown. In his absence, you know, we saw it even today in the game against the Chicago Bears. Despite losing him, they battled, and the defense stiffened up and made it tough on Mitch Trubisky. Not that Mitch Trubisky is going to the Hall of Fame, but they toughened up, and, you know, offensively they did enough to have given themselves a chance to win at the end, even though they fell a little bit short. So there's going to be growth that happens because of his absence. Now, when he's reinserted, um, I, I hope, and I think this is the hope of Dave Gettleman and the front office and, and the team and Coach Judge, that he steps right in and becomes a catalyst to push them even to greater heights. That's the hope. The Giants are 0-2. Fans are down. Can, can you give us either a dose of possibility, pos- uh, uh, positivity? Can you sing a song? Can you sing Happy by Pharrell? I don't know. you got a great <laughs> voice that people don't know about. Can you cheer yeah. us up here? Yeah, well, I mean, what you what you do? I wish I could, but my Broadway days are, are, are on hold. Kinky boots, yeah, kinky boots, right? Um, so I remember this from my from my some of the bad years that we had when I was with the Giants and during the fossil years, and I, I remember getting these. I, don't, I mean, I guess they're compliments, but they're kind of like insults. With people saying, you know, you guys are terrible, but the only reason I go to watch 
you. You know what I mean? I, I know you're going to like do something interesting or fun or you're going to rip off a 30 yarder or a 50 yarder. And so if I was telling Giants fans, if I was, if I was talking to Giants fans right now, I would say, find the that, whatever it is. And the obvious, you know, possibility or potential person to look at is Daniel Jones and look for his growth. And, um, you know, hopefully Jason Garrett, you know, and, and, and this offensive staff start to figure out ways to utilize his athleticism a little bit more. I think there, there, there might be pigeonholing him a little bit into to a pure pocket passer when what we've started to see is the college game is taking over the NFL. I mean, it's, it, it, the receivers are smaller now uh, because you can't hit them going across the middle. So that, that premium on speed, which we used to always talk about, you know, there's no substitute for speed. It's actually a reality now because you can be small and fast and agile and not have the danger of getting knocked the hell out when you go across the middle. Um, and so the game is getting smaller and faster uh, and athletic quarterbacks are starting to thrive. You look at our last two MVPs and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes before him and, Kyler Murray, what he's off to, his great start in his second season, really first season too, but now also in his second season, the athletic quarterback is coming. Daniel Jones is an athlete, right? He's, he, he looks, he looks and has the mannerisms of Eli, you know, that pocket passer who's stoic and lets all these, you know, the, the negativity fall off his, his shoulders and he just trudges forward, but he's, he's a baller. I remember watching him at Duke a few times. I mean, without him, they don't win a game. And so I, I would love to see more of that. And to be honest with you, I think fans would love to see more of that because that's what that's the trend that's coming into the National Football League. If you're still down after that, Giants fans, there's always wine and, and liquor to get you through these football Sundays. For exactly. The next, for vodka, the next... vodka and water. <laughs> a little People vodka... think you're just drinking water. Yeah, a little vodka soda action. Always a, a white girl special. It's a, it's a white boy special for me as well. So uh, less calories on you. Uh, it's... Uh, you and my wife. Yeah, my well, wife. It's, it's the best way to go. It helped me lose weight. Vodka soda, great diet. Um, Tiki Barber, uh, you know, we said this on the last show, and I'll say it again, is I know you get some blowback and stuff you say, but you're a radio host, and we said this. I think Paul said it. You know, when you say something, it's usually right. So when you when you call someone out, we it's usually something that's right. So we love your honesty. We love you know I, I love Brandon Tierney as well. Anyone that's bald, I usually support who's who's a good person. Hey, so uh, we got to you know we got to do what we can do. I mean, I could put the George Jefferson on, but I wouldn't be as <laughs> attractive. No, it's not yeah. as fun. Yeah, we got to stick together. Tiki, uh, great great having you on the show, man. We'll talk to you later in the season. Appreciate it. Tiki, Most thanks. Jake, thanks, Tiki. Lawrence, Paul, be well, guys. That seals episode 37, the James Butler edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush wherever you listen to podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We'll chat with you all Thursday as we preview the Giants matchup with the 49ers. Talk to you all then and stay safe.